0: It's an exciting time to be a part of FBG Uh, we're a church with a long history our church started in 1866, 153 years old and contrary to popular opinion I was not on staff when the church started (laughs) but God's still at work in the life of our church in ways that are exciting and that bless our hearts Recently, we've been able to witness baptisms. Baptisms of grade schoolers all the way through seasoned adults, as Brian says. And that's exciting uh, to see that. We are seeing lives changed as people gather in small group community to confess sin to each other, to the Lord and to each other, and to leave sin behind. We see, we're seeing hundreds gather at our quarterly family meetings where in recent past we did well to have a dozen or two gather for those business meetings. We see families being intentional about discipleship, making family discipleship plans and working to make their homes an outpost for the gospel. We see two new marriage ministries starting soon, and you'll see information about them in your worship guide, Merge, which is a marriage ministry uh, for those who are engaged or seriously dating to help prepare them for marriage and re-engage, which is for married couples designed to help them experience Christ in their marriage. We see our church engaged in missional living um, The Asia trip, 62 of our people traveled halfway around the world to provide support and encouragement for those who are carrying the gospel to places where there is no gospel witness. And then yesterday, Love Georgetown, Uh, we partnered with nine other churches. I think there were about 500 people here, and I think I remember we had about 28 projects across the community to express the love of Christ in a tangible way. We see a united team of pastors and servant-hearted deacons working together to lead the church. We see God blessing us with manpower, raising up leadership. We see God blessing us with financial resources. Last week, as Kevin talked about the land, possible land purchase, he reported on the unprecedented way in which God is blessing us financially through your generosity. We see our church reaching, intentionally reaching across generations to work together to serve each other and encourage each other and bring the gospel to our community. And we see ourselves strategically placed in a major development that's bringing literally thousands of people to our doorstep. What does all this mean? Well, to me it means God's at work. And when I think about that, I anticipate more. I think we've yet to see what God wants to do to demonstrate himself through FBG to the Williamson County community and I want us uh, to be used by God in that way. I want to see the more and I think we're on the verge of a significant and even more significant significant move of God than ever before to make himself known in us and through us. The question occurs to me as I think about that, what can we do as a church to make sure we're ready for a significant move of God in our midst to make him known in our community? And we get guidance for that in the passage under consideration today. If you would turn in your Bibles to Ezekiel 36, we see in this passage that God is speaking through the prophet Ezekiel to the nation of Israel, and we know that Israel is at a time of hopelessness. Ezekiel himself and thousands of other Israelites have been deported and carried into captivity in Babylonia. Their city, Jerusalem, has been decimated, completely destroyed, the temple torn down. The kingdom of Judah has come to an end, and they need hope. And this prophecy is a message of hope to God's people, Israel. And I want, as I read this passage, would encourage you to listen for the hope, the hope that this message offers to Israel. I'll begin reading in verse 36, and it's a long passage, so you hang in. I'm going to read the whole thing because this is the most important thing that will be said in this entire worship service. It is the word of God to us. So let's read it. The word of the Lord came to me. This is Ezekiel speaking. The word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, while the house of Israel lived in their land, they defiled it with their conduct and actions. Their behavior before me was like menstrual impurity. So I poured out my wrath on them because of the blood they had shed on the land and because they had defiled it with their idols. I dispersed them among the nations, and they were scattered among the countries. I judged them according to their conduct and actions. When they came to the nations where they went, they profaned my holy name because it was said about them, These are the people of Yahweh, yet they had to leave his land in exile. Then I had concern for my holy name, which the house of Israel procl- uh, profaned among the nations where they went. Verse 22 Therefore, say to the house of Israel, This is what the Lord God says It is not for your sake that I will act, house of Israel, but for my holy name, which you profaned among the nations where you went. I will honor the holiness of my great name which has been profaned among the nations, the name you have profaned among them. The nations will know that I am Yahweh, the declaration of the Lord God, when I demonstrate my holiness through you in their sight. For I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and bring you into your own land. I will also sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will place my spirit within you and cause you to follow my statutes and carefully observe my ordinances. Then you will live in the land that I gave your father's, You will be my people and I will be your God. I will save you from all your uncleanness. I will summon the grain and make it plentiful and will not bring famine on you. I will also make the fruit of the trees and the produce of the field plentiful so that you will no longer experience reproach among the nations on account of famine." Then you will remember your evil ways and your deeds that were not good, and you will loathe yourselves for your iniquities and detestable practices. It is not for your sake that I will act the declaration of the Lord God. Let this be known to you. Be ashamed and humiliated because of your ways, house of Israel. This is what the Lord God says. On the day I cleanse you from all your iniquities, I will cause the cities to be inhabited And the ruins will be rebuilt. The desolate land will be cultivated instead of lying desolate in the sight of everyone who passes by. Then they will say, this land that was desolate has become like the Garden of Eden. The cities that were once ruined, desolate and destroyed are now fortified and inhabited. Then the nations that remain around you will know that I, Yahweh, have rebuilt what was destroyed, and have replanted what was desolate. I, Yahweh, have spoken, and I will do it. This is what the Lord God says. I will respond to the house of Israel and do this for them. I will multiply them in number like a flock. So the ruined cities will be filled with a flock of people just as the flock of sheep for sacrifice is filled in Jerusalem during its appointed festivals. Then they will know that I am Yahweh. Do you see the hope that was offered? Do you see God's plan for restoration that was outlined? Phase one of that plan of restoration for Israel is found in verse 24. I will take you from the nations, gather you, and bring you into your own land. Israel's return. Phase two is Israel's cleansing. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and all your idols. And phase three, Israel's new heart. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will place my spirit within you. You see, heart change was at the heart of God's plan to restore Israel and demonstrate himself through them to the pagan nations around them. What can we do to be ready for a significant move of God within our midst to make himself known in Williamson County? Well, I think we can allow God to continue changing our hearts as individuals and as a church. You notice in this passage that there is hope for heart change. Heart change is possible in the Messiah. Israel was trapped in a hopeless cycle of habitual, habitual sin. Verse 17 says, They lived in the land God gave them, And they defiled the land with their conduct and actions. And in verse 18, they shed blood on the land and defiled it with their idols. They shed blood on the land by sacrificing. It's not mentioned here, but in other parts of Scripture, that they shed blood on the land by sacrificing their children to idols. In Kevin's sermon series in Joshua, we're seeing the nation of Israel at an earlier period of time before Ezekiel, we're we're learning about uh, Israel taking the land that God has given them. And now in Ezekiel, we're jumping ahead a few, thousand, a few hundred years to see what happened after they entered the land. And we're told that once they entered the land, they chose to disobey God and live like the pagan nations among them. And they persisted in their sin to the point of bringing God's judgment on themselves. It was insanity. God sent messenger after messenger to call them out of their sin and to call them repentance. They had ample opportunity over hundreds of years of period of time, but they persisted in their sin and experienced God's judgment. Look at verse 17. He was repulsed by their sinful behaviors. Their behavior before me was like menstrual impurity. Verse 18, he poured out his wrath on them. Verse 19, he judged them according to their conduct and actions, their worship of idols and the shedding of innocent blood on the land. Judgment is always God's response to sin. He can respond in no other way because he is a God of holiness and righteousness and justice. He dispersed them among the nations as a part of his judgment so in the book of Joshua we read that Israel goes and takes the land in a blaze of glory and then a few hundred years later we're reading that they left the land they were taken from the land in exile under a cloud of shame Thousands were taken into exile over a 150 year period. There were five deportations into four different pagan nations. Jerusalem and the temple destroyed. The kingdom of Judah coming to an end. Israel, God gave Israel hope in the midst of their hopelessness in the midst of their sin and judgment God brings this message of hope to Israel he promised to change their hearts though God judged Israel's sin and he poured out his judgment upon them he also made a way for them to return to the land to be forgiven and to receive a new heart he is a holy and righteous God who always judges sin, and at the same time, he is a God of, gra- of grace and compassion who rescues and restores. You know, it's easy to lose hope when it comes to change that needs to take place in our lives. Maybe you're struggling with changes that you need to make this morning. Maybe you keep repeating behaviors In an insane kind of way that continue to bring pain and suffering upon yourself and those around you that you love. Maybe you set out to do the good that you desire to do and you find yourself unable to do that good. Maybe you end up setting out to do good and end up doing the exact opposite. Maybe you've been begging God to change you and that change hasn't happened Maybe you're trying really hard and putting forth great effort to make those changes that are necessary only to slide right back into the behaviors you're trying to stay out of. Maybe you've tried everything you know to try. You've turned every stone and still that change hasn't happened that you desire. Well, we have hope. In a situation like that. Because heart change. Is available to us in Jesus Christ. In the Messiah. Jesus Christ. God said. I will give you. A new heart. And. He made that promise. Fulfilled that promise. By sending the Messiah. For Israel. The Messiah was yet to come. For us. The Messiah has come. And he offers us. A new heart. Heart change is God's doing. Heart change is a gift from him. Heart change, we cannot change ourselves no matter how hard we try. Heart change makes us new. This passage makes it very clear. Verse 26, I'll give you a new heart. I'm giving you something you've never had before. I'm giving you a new heart. And also in the same place, verse 24, along with verse 24 1 Peter 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Christ from the dead. Jesus gives us something we've never had before. He doesn't do a makeover, makeover of our old hearts. He gives us brand new hearts. It's like a heart transplant. It's Described in the New Testament as being born again. And that heart change produces behavior change. Notice verse 27. I will place my spirit within you and cause you to follow my statutes and carefully observe my ordinances. That reminds me of Philippians 1.6 which says, He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion in the day of Christ. It's God who works in us to change us, to change our hearts and the behavior that results. As I read this passage, I thought of uh, Galatians chapter 5 that says, So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature, for the sinful nature desires what is contrary." contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They're in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We don't really have a behavior problem. We have a heart problem. Heart change results in behavior change. Our hearts that we're born with are hearts of stone, dead and unresponsive to God, leading us in the path of sin. Our behavior changes as the Holy Spirit takes residence within us and gives us that heart of flesh. That is a heart that's alive and responsive to God, leading us to walk in his ways. Heart change in Jesus Christ is our only hope for behavior change, no matter what solutions the world may try to offer. Heart change begins at a point in time and continues for a lifetime. It begins when we trust Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, and he continues to work to change us as long as we're alive on the face of this earth. So the question is, have you trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? He is our hope for life change? If you have trusted Jesus, are you allowing Him to continue that work of changing your heart to make you more like Jesus Christ? And how does God do that? How does He change our hearts? I can think of at least three things I would mention from God's Word. And and first, He changes our hearts through His Word. As we interact with His Word and we take in His Word and we pray over and seek to understand and apply His Word in our lives, He begins to change our hearts and behavior change results. At the same time, His people, God uses His people to change our hearts. When we are in the Word and we're living in community and close relationship with other believers in Christ, where we're open and honest about what's going on in our lives and we're getting their support, then God is at work to shape our hearts and change our lives. And then the third thing is what we've just been reading about, the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God works through the Word of God and the people of God to change our hearts. And the result of that heart change is behavior change that brings glory to Jesus Christ and makes Him known. Among the nations, passage gives us insight into the purpose of heart change. We see clearly that heart change is for the sake of God's holy name. Israel's sin and judgment ruined God's reputation. You see, God had to do some damage control with the pagan nations after he brought judgment on Israel. God said through Ezekiel, When I dispersed Israel, and if you'll see verse 20, when I dispersed Israel and they came to the nations where they went, they profaned my holy name. How did Israel profane God's name? Well, by their sin, by the way they lived. And Israel's sin led to God's judgment, and God's judgment led the nations to make a wrong conclusion about who. God is the nations said in verse 20 these are the people of Yahweh yet they had to leave his land in exile the nations were saying if God can't keep his own people in the land he gave them then maybe he's not much of a God the nations concluded that it was God's weakness that resulted in the exile rather than the sin of Israel so God promised to change Israel's heart For the sake of his holy name. Look at verse 22 and 23. It is for your sake that I will act. He says, It is not for your sake that I will act, but for my holy name which you profaned. In verse 23, I will honor the holiness of my great name which you profaned among them. The nations will know that I am Yahweh when I demonstrate my holiness through you in their sight. Did you find it a bit surprising to read that God's motivation for restoring Israel and changing their hearts was not for their sake, but for his sake? I have to admit that it caught my attention and I was a bit surprised and I thought, well, You know, where is the part where he says God is going to change Israel's heart because he loves them and is compassionate and wants them to experience his blessing. So I went back and looked in this passage, didn't find that in there. I could not find that God's motivation for changing Israel was his love for Israel and his desire to bless them. Rather, it became very, very clear that his motivation was for the sake of his holy name, not for their sake. And I asked myself, why was I surprised at that? Even, even Why was I even uncomfortable with reading that? And I, I had to admit, it's because I'm rather self-centered. It's because... I want to be at the center of the universe. I want everything to be about me rather than about God and his purpose in the world. I want to hear that God acts because he loves me and has compassion for me and wants to bless me. I'm more concerned about my welfare than I am concerned about the welfare of the nations, the welfare of those who don't yet know him. I'm more concerned about receiving God's blessings than I'm concerned about him using me and our church to demonstrate who he is. I want him to carry out his plan for my purposes rather than his purposes. And it came, became so apparent to me as I read this that I am as much in need of heart change myself as the nation of Israel was in need of heart change. And I also asked myself, well, why is it okay for God to act For his sake alone. Why is it okay for God, for it to be all about God? But it's not okay for it to be all about me. And I think it's because God is a good God. He knows best for me. And he knows that as I live for him and follow him and live for the sake of his name. That I will experience the blessings, and his compassion and love as a byproduct. So we're reminded of the purpose of heart change. God changes our hearts and demonstrates his holiness through us for the sake of his name and the salvation of other people. That's why he does it. And it's easy for us to forget that and begin to think that God saved us so we can sit back and enjoy him and go to heaven when we die. My prayer is, Lord, keep on changing my heart and change it not for my sake, not for my benefit, but for the sake of your holy name. Lord, keep on changing my heart so you can demonstrate your holiness through me and bring others to faith in you. And I prayed for For our church, my prayer is, Lord, keep on changing our hearts as a church so you can use us in a significant way to demonstrate who you are and bring others to faith in Christ. Help us as a church remember that you have rescued us so that we can rescue others. Lord, free us as a church from a self-centered view of the gospel so that we're ready to be spent for your glory. This passage also speaks to us about the result of heart change. That heart change demonstrates God's ability to restore. According to this pros- prophecy, there will come a day when those skeptical nations that thought God was weak will observe God's re- restoration of Israel and have a change of heart. Well at least a change of opinion about who God is. In that day, those skeptical nations will say, look at verse 35, notice the change, notice the difference from what they said before about God. This land that was desolate has become like the Garden of Eden. The cities that were once ruined, desolate, and destroyed are now fortified and inhabited. This is how God describes the result of heart change and the result of the restoration he brought to Israel. Verse 36. Then the nations that remain around you will know that I, Yahweh, have rebuilt what was uh, destroyed and have replanted what was desolate. I, Yahweh, have spoken and I will do it. When the nations observe The restoration of Israel, they will be amazed and convinced that God is able, that God is able to restore what is broken. Did you notice what the nations will observe that will change their opinion of God? Well, they will observe observe Israel's cities, Israel's empty cities will be inhabited. Israel's ruined, destroyed cities will be rebuilt and fortified. They also noticed what God did to the land. Israel's desolate land will be replanted and cultivated, Israel's desolate land will become like the Garden of Eden. It will be the contrast that grabs their attention, the attention of pagan nations. It will be the contrast that changes their opinion of who who God is. As they observe empty versus inhabited, ruined versus rebuilt, desolate versus replanted and fruitful, before versus after, past versus present, old versus, versus new. How's God going to work in Williamson County to grab the attention of the people and change who don't know Him and change their opinion of Him? I think it's through stories of heart change, through stories of restoration. When people hear our stories of heart change and observe the evidence of heart change in our lives, God will demonstrate who He is and they will trust him for heart change. So, in our day, the thing that really grabs the attention of people who don't know Christ is that same contrast, but in our case, it's a contrast between who we were before we came to Christ and who we are now in Christ. It's the contrast of bondage to sin versus freedom from sin, it's the contrast of pain versus healing. The contrast of shame and guilt versus forgiveness and acceptance. It's the contrast of brokenness versus wholeness. Living in the darkness versus living in the light. Barrenness in our lives versus the fruitfulness of Christ in our lives. Depression versus joy. Failure versus new beginnings. The list could go on and on. But we will stop and remind ourselves that our story does not have to be a dramatic story in order for God to use it to get the attention of the nations. Maybe you were saved at six or seven and have walked with Christ since. If that's the case, the focus is on sharing how God has worked to bring you through all the challenges of life how God worked through what was meant for evil to bring about his good, how God has worked to grow and mature through pain and suffering, how God has worked to bring contentment contentment in the midst of suffering. Never, we must never underestimate the power of our story of heart change in Jesus Christ. Hearing and seeing stories of heart change ignites heart change in other people. We all have a story worth telling. Are you prepared to tell your story? Are you telling your story? Have you written it down so that you've thought it through logically so that in conversations with those you know and the opportunity comes up that you're able in conversation to simply talk about Jesus and the story of heart change that he's working within you. We talk about a very simple outline. Life before I came to Christ, how I came to know Christ, how he's changed my heart. Or for those who are saved in an early age, how I came to know Christ, and how he has changed my heart as I've walked with him on the years, over the years. Do you have a story of heart change And is your life reflecting heart change? We as a church need to be an army of storytellers telling the story of restoration and heart change that God is bringing among his people. And when sharing your story, don't hide the truth about yourself. Voluntarily choose to share the shameful and the ugly that God has redeemed You see Israel's story? Their shame, they could not hide their shame. Their shame was on display for all the nations to see. And because the nations could see their shame, they could appreciate the depth of God's restoration of Israel. We want to hide our shame and only reveal what is good about ourselves, but people don't need to know what is good about us. They need to know the depths of our sin and how God has worked in our sin and brokenness to give us a new heart and to change us to bring glory to his name. A willingness to reveal our shame and our ugliness versus our new identity in Christ is one of the most powerful things that we can do to lead others to Christ. So what can we do to be ready for God to move through us in a significant way for the salvation of our county? We can allow God to keep changing our hearts. Some questions for us to consider. Has there been a point in time when I have consciously trusted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior? If you can't answer that question affirmatively and with confidence, we want to help you with that today. We don't want you to leave here without that relationship with Christ where you've trusted him and he's begun that process of heart change. What do my current behaviors reveal about the condition of my heart? Do my current behaviors reveal That my heart is being hardened against God? Or that my heart is alive to God and increasingly reflecting His glory? Does my conduct demonstrate to others the true character of God? Is my life a demonstration of the gospel in both word and deed? Am I trying to change unwanted behavior and produce godly character by my own effort? without allowing Jesus to change my heart by His grace? Am I experiencing heart change that is resulting in behavior change? Am I experiencing life transformation as I regularly engage with God's Word, participate in intimate community with other believers, and allow the Holy Spirit to work in my life? Am I willing for God to work in my life for His sake alone, and not for my sake? Am I daily focused on the truth that Jesus has rescued me for his glory more than for my good? Am I prepared to share my story of heart change with every opportunity that comes?